So, but we are today starting a brand new series called A Church, A Church After God's Heart. What does a church after the heart of God look like? When you drove to church today, two out of every three of your neighbors chose not to go to church. On an average Sunday, two-thirds of all Americans will find something else to do rather than go to church. Now, what's interesting to me is that many of these claim to believe the same thing that you believe. In fact, I was surprised to learn that two-thirds of Americans who do not attend church believe in God. They believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They believe in heaven. They pray. But the fact of the matter is that the average American comes to church three times in their life. When he's born, he comes to be sprinkled. When he's married, they walk down the aisle of a, of a church. And then, of course, when he dies, the funeral oftentimes is held in a church. So people come to church three times. When they're hatched, when they're matched, and when they're dispatched. <laughs> the first time, you throw water on them. The second time, you throw rice on them. The third time, you throw some dirt at them. Now, I'm sure many, many times when we see that the vast majority of the American people never darken the doors of the church, and as we pass home after home, where people are cutting their grass, you know, they're playing golf, washing their cars, going on a picnic, I, I know the thought crosses our mind. The thought is, if they don't go to church, then why should I? And that's the question we ask. Why should I go to church? Now, there are some who would say that for me, you're truly, that's an unfair question because I have a built-in reason for going to church. I heard one man came home from, he came home from church and he said to his wife, he said, that's it. I am never going back to that church. Wife said, oh, yes, you are. He said, nuh-uh. He said, I'll give you three reasons why I'm not going back to that church. Number one, nobody talked to me. Number two, everybody hates me. And number three, I have absolutely no friends in the church. The wife said, well, I'm going to give you three reasons why you're going back to that church. Number one, you promised me when we got married that you would go to church. Number two, you need to set an example for our kids. And number three, and most importantly, you're the pastor. <laughs> I'm going to make a bold statement here as we start off. A bold statement, I don't want you to miss this. God doesn't want you to just go to church. Let me say that again because I don't want you to miss it. God doesn't want you to just go to church. See, here's what we need to understand. God's highest calling for your life and for mine 
It's not a destination. God's higher calling for your life is for you and I to be conformed to the image of Christ. Not to, do, not to go to church, but to be planted in the church, to be the church, to be a light shining in a dark world. God's higher calling for your life and mine is never to just go to a church, but to be planted in the house of God, sent out into the world. Maybe instead of going to church, it's time instead to be planted in the house of God. Now, where, where does this idea come from? We look at Psalm today, in Psalm 92, the Bible says in verse 12, the Bible says the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. They're going to grow like a palm tree. They're going to grow like a cedar tree. They're going to flourish. Now, what does the word flourish mean? It's not a word that you and I use in our everyday vocabulary. If you come up to me and say, Scott, how you doing? And I respond, hey, I'm flourishing today. You might think that's a little weird. That's a little different. It's not a word that we use, but it's a really great image of what happens when you're planted. So what does the word mean? It means thriving. It means growing, prospering. It means to be a blessing. It means to have spiritual growth. When you're righteous, the Bible says you are thriving. You are prospering. And the psalmist compares it to two trees, like a cedar tree and like a palm tree. Now, a cedar tree, they're known for their durability, the strong trees. They were known for being pleasant to look at. They were also pleasing to smell. Solomon, for example, when he built his temple, he made the columns, the post, the beams, the roof, he made it out of cedar trees. It was because he built it, he wanted his, this temple to last for a very long, long time. It's durable. If you have a cedar chest, that are pleasant to look at, and when you open it, right, you get that fresh fragrance of the cedar smell that comes out of that chest. So if you're flourishing like a cedar, it's saying that you're durable that you're strong, that you're lasting, you'll last a long time. Then you got the palm tree. And the palm tree, palm tree is symbolic of victory. It's symbolic of, of triumph. And so when you're flourishing, we're triumphant, we're victorious. In the, in the ancient Olympic games, whenever someone wins the game, they would be presented with a palm branch. It was saying, congratulations, you've won the gold medal. That would be the equivalent of a gold medal today, the palm branch. You've won. You're the champion. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, it was known as the triumphal entry. And what did they do when Jesus came into Jerusalem? They threw down the, the palm branches. So they waved palm branches at him. 
And, and, and also want you to know that both, both of the trees, the cedar, and the, the cedar trees and the palm trees, they're also evergreens. They stay green all year long. There's, there's life, there's strength, there's, there's victory, there's fruit. God desires for us to be flourishing, to be blessed, to be prosperous, to be growing like a cedar tree, like a palm tree. And it says in verse 12, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Who will flourish? Look at verse 13. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the court of our God. Now, I want you to notice that it does not say that those who are going to church will flourish. It says those who are planted in the house of God, they will flourish in the courts of our God. And in verse 14, they will, they will still be a fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. The Lord hears my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, the Bible said that they're flourishing. They're, they're blessed. They're prospering. They're connected. They're emotionally engaged. They're making a difference. They're fulfilled. They are flourishing, right? Unfortunately, there are many, you would say that you're not flourishing. Instead of saying I'm spiritually flourishing, you might say, well, God, to be honest, I'm, I'm honestly spiritually dry. Instead of saying I'm thriving emotionally, some would say that I am emotionally withering. I'm dying inside. Instead of saying I'm connected relationally, some would say that I'm relationally barren. Instead of saying I'm prospering financially with breathing room to be a blessing, some would say that I am financially hurting and restrained. Some would say I'm still searching, reaching, longing, hoping for that thing, that something, that buzz, that relationship, that job, that whatever it is that I don't have that would fulfill what I'm missing on the inside. I go to church, but I'm not flourishing. I'm spiritually dry. Those, the Bible says, those who are planted are those who flourish. And what you and I need to recognize this morning is that we need to recognize that your life and my life, every one of us, our life is a seed. I want you to say seed. Seed. I want you to say, I am a seed. Good. We are a seed. Every one of us, we need to recognize every person in this room, young or small, you know, if you're watching online, we are a seed. And what that means is that a Seed has potential to grow. It has potential to thrive, to multiply, 
to produce fruit, to be a blessing to others. But at the same token, a seed that is not planted has the potential to be dormant, unproductive, unfruitful, dissatisfied. Your life is a seed. I'll give you a couple of thoughts here about planting a seed. Number one, a seed can only grow if it's planted. If it's planted, Jesus told a really powerful story about this. He told a, a parable in Matthew chapter 13. He was talking about a sower. We will use the word farmer today. And he said that a sower went out to sow. He went out to plant. He went out to farm. He went out to sow some seed. And the sower threw seeds out. And some of the seed fell on a hard soil. And, and, and didn't last long because it had no, it wasn't planted. It just sat on top. And the birds came in and, and, and took the seed with them. Some seed fell in shallow soil. Very shallow. It, it spurred it up. It, it, it shot up. But because the root never went deep. You know, it, it, you know when the sun came out. And the sun beat on that, on that little plant. It withered and it died. Jesus said that some of the seeds, you know, got into the ground, and as it grew, it got crowded by the other thorny plants. It got choked, got choked by the concerns of life and the worries of life. And Jesus used all these metaphors and said, you know, you know, you know, people have potential. Every seed got potential. Unfortunately, a lot of these seeds, they never grow because they never get themselves rooted deeply where they should be rooted into. It doesn't get rooted where it needs to go. You know, and so when it grows, it gets choked. It gets ruined. It gets withered by the sun. It, it, it doesn't survive. But then Jesus said, a seed that falls on good soil. And what happens? It multiplies 30 times. 50 times, 100 times. And that one seed becomes a massive blessing because we're planted in the right kind of soil. So who is it that flourishes? Well, those who are planted in the house of God. A seed can only grow if it's planted. Here's the second thing I hope you understand is this. Going to church... It's not the same as being planted. Going to church is not the same as being planted. There's a real difference between both of these ideas. You know, the, the, the word uh, ecclesia, that's the Greek word, ecclesia is the word for church. And there's actually a double meaning in this word ecclesia. Now, I want you to see this because it's so important. It's going to help us to understand the difference between just going to church and being planted. The first idea of the word ecclesia, it means a gathering, an assembly. We, we are here today, assembled. We are gathering today. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing. 
By the way, if you listen to a church podcast, you know, and that's good. But that, that's a substitute for the real thing. It's good to gather. Ecclesia. It's a good to be assembled together. However, at the same time, Ecclesia, it also means to be called out. You can break down the Greek words, the, the, the first two letters of Ecclesia, ek. It means out. Ecclesia, it, it comes from the Greek word kaleo. It means called. And so here's, what, here's, here's the picture. We, we are gathered together, right, to be unified. We come together to honor our God. We, we are assembling together to corporately hear the word of God. We gather together to use our gift, and as we are strengthened, it's not what happens inside the church. We have an understanding, my friend, that we are the church and that we go into the world. And we be the church out in the community. In other words, when we're planted, when we're truly planted, we're not spiritual consumers. You know, know what I'm saying? The church does not exist for us. The church, we exist for a lost and dying world. There is a massive difference between going to a building versus being plugged into a column, a movement, a mission, but planted in the house of God. Now, what happens when you're planted? I've got two, two, two thoughts here. What happens when you're planted? Number one, when you're planted, your roots grow deep. I want us to look at Jeremiah chapter 17. Just one verse here. The long verse, but one verse. Bible said they are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. And when the roots grow deep, look what happens. Such trees are not bothered by the heat, or not worried by long months of drought. I wonder how many of you this morning, you're facing some spiritual heat. Maybe you're going through some trials, some persecution, some pain, some suffering. Or maybe some of you here today, you're going through a drought, a spiritual Dry drought. You see, when the Bible says, when the roots grow deep, they're not bothered. Why? They're not bothered by the heat. They're not bothered by the drought. It's because they're connected to a source. They're connected to a source that's greater than any problem that's on the surface of our lives. The root, it grows deep. Deep. They grow deep. I, I did some research, um, and I'm fascinated by um, nature. I love nature, and, and uh, honestly, when I went to Las Vegas, you know, I could care less about the going to downtown. I had a few hours. I actually went to the mountain, you know, because I'm more into nature. I love that kind of stuff, and, and, and drove into the Red Rocks on the side of Vegas. Um, 
uh, and it's just incredible. And I, and I love nature, and one of the things I'm fascinated about is the redwood trees. Redwood trees, they can stand 30 stories high. That's a tall tree. 30 stories high. And they're about three stories wide. Massive, humongous trees. How in the world does a tree grow 30 stories high? I tell you. It's because the root, the roots grow deep and wide. 100, 100 feet, 100, 150 feet long. They go down and they go sideways. You see, here's what happened. You know, the roots would come over here and they'll start, you know, climbing over here under the, underneath the surface. We don't see it, but underneath the surface, they're connected to another redwood tree. And their roots are connected to this guy. And then his root comes all the way over here and it's connected over here to this redwood tree. And they're all intertwined, connected underneath the surface. See, that, that's what should happen in the family of God. That's how we get stronger in the family of God. That's how you get planted when you get connected with other believers. Relationally speaking, you get connected. You're there for each other. You support each other. We, we help each other up. We don't live this isolated Christian lifestyle where we do it all on our own. Because, my friend, that's when the devil is coming after you. Your spiritual enemy, he doesn't care that if you go to church. He just doesn't want you connected to people. He wants you to just go to church, check off the box, and leave. He said, that's fine. Go ahead and do that. Just don't do the other stuff. Don't get planted in the church. Don't grow some root. Because if you grow root, then you become strong. And you see, in the family of God, we need that support system. What happened above the ground all depends on what happens underneath, the things that we don't see. You see, I need you, and you need me. We need each other. We need a support system that we can help each other, that we can be there for each other. We need the family of God. And so my roots are supported by your roots. We need one another. Here's the second thought. When you're planted, your roots produce fruit. They produce fruits. Look again. Look at Jeremiah chapter 17. And verse number 8. They're like trees planted along a riverbank. But root that reach deep into the water. They got the source. And they're not bothered by the heat. They're not worried by long months month of drought. Their leaves stay green. And they never stop producing fruit. When you're planted, you're going to produce fruit. Now you say, what is fruit? Paul talks about this in Galatians chapter 5. He calls it the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. These are not natural, uh, these are not natural fruit. That's a spiritual fruit that comes from God. And when you're connected to the spiritual vine, God produces spiritual fruit. You got love, joy, peace. You got patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You got all these fruits. And when you become a child of God, he plants the seed of every one of these fruits in your life. 
You don't get to cherry pick what you want. They say, oh, I kind of like love. But I don't, I'm not into that joy and patience stuff. Give me faithfulness. No, no, that's not how it works. It's when you become a child of God, he plants them all. He planted an orchard in your life. He planted a, a garden in your life. And all starts in seed form in the Holy Spirit. He's working in your life 24-7 to produce these fruit. And the best way to cultivate these fruit is to be planted in the house of his Lord, the house of God. To be planted, not just going to church, but to be planted, to get plugged in. To get plugged in. And when you're planted, all these good things come up. Even in difficult times, love still comes out. Joy still comes out. Peace still comes out. And you see that God is doing something in your life. But not only, not only that, when, when the fruit comes out, it's not just to bless you. It's to bless others. We're not to consume our own fruit. We're to take those fruits so we can let others enjoy. It takes three. When I was growing up, there was a statement that said to take three to thrive. That, that was a, a slogan. And if you, uh, you know, remember, you know, take three to thrive. And, and the idea of that was, you got to go Sunday morning, you got to go Sunday night, you got to go Wednesday night. More church, more church, more church, more church. And, I'm, and listen, I'm not against church. We're here. You should be in church. But if you think that's all it takes to thrive, it's just showing up and going to church and marking it off and just going through the motion, and then when the last song is done, you walk out. And if you think that's it, then you're not going to thrive. God wants you to thrive so that you can produce fruit. Uh, let me give you some thoughts on how you can thrive. And this is just a jumping off point. Now, assemble, gather, be here. But that's not the end all. Now, this is a starting point. Be here. We need each other. Get plugged in. Now, next Sunday, we got our, our, our Discover Late Point class. Be a part of that. If you haven't been, you say, I need to be a part of that class. I need to join. I need to be a part of a church. I need to get plugged in. I need to get, I need to be a blessing to others. And then get plugged into Life Group. Life Group starting in a few weeks. All the information is in your program. You can sign up online. But get connected. Each one of our groups averages about 10 people per group. So it won't be overwhelming. Some groups are smaller, some groups are bigger, but about the average size is 9 to 10 people. Get plugged into a group. That's a great way to start growing some roots. Another way to, to thrive, be on a serve team. Be, a, be the church. This is a way to be the church. Be serving somehow, some way, serving one another. And that ain't just a jump at our point. You know, let the Holy Spirit of God show you what, what else that looks like to be, to be the church. Maybe, it, hey, you know what? This Saturday, we're gonna, I'm going to come and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run 5K. Or I'm going to walk 5K. Or I'm going to serve. You know, our Thanksgiving food drive, which is coming up, we're going to feed 1,200 families. And so I'm going to be a part of that. And, and everyone does it together to be the church. Because the church doesn't exist for you. We exist for the world. And we are connected not to just the church attendant, but we are connected to a movement, to a mission. It's apple 
outside of me all the time. And I love walking through the orchards. And you smell that, the, smell, the, the, the fresh smell of, from the apples. It's kind of pouring those apples. And it, it, it's pleasing to walk through. I, when, I went, when I went to Vegas, Vegas, right, it's a desert. We walked we walk on this one area with the park. It, had, it was the only grass I saw. I walked on the grass, and it felt good. And you know what's crazy? It, I actually could smell the grass. We don't, we, we're on grass. We don't smell the grass so much, you know. But here, in the desert, oh, there's a, there's a fresh aroma in the orchard. There's fresh aroma in the oasis of a desert. We want to be a church after God's heart. We'd be a, an oasis in the desert. Producing a fresh smell. Food of the Spirit. Oh, the hallways, the auditoriums. I get to pick the food. And you get to pick the food. I come over here, I pick a little apple. I got a little orange right here. I love what Tom, Tom said. You know, in the first service, you know, we got some ghost peppers over there. You know, and hey, we need them all. We got a garden. Fresh melon orchard. We got the, the fresh fruit of God's grace. We got the grace of salvation. But we also have a grace that keep on giving. Let's be a church. After God's heart, an oasis in the middle of a dry, barren world for his glory. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, we ask you to help us. Help us to be planted so that we can be flourishing. Flourishing in this world. God, I know there's a spiritual enemy that would love for nothing else but for us to be isolated, to be alone, be on our own, to just kind of go through the motions. God, I pray that we do more than that. God, you want relationship to happen. You want us to get rooted. You want us to get plugged in so that we can be a blessing for all who's around us. In Jesus' name, amen.